0: You're listening to City Edge Church For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au Good morning everybody it's, uh, There's only one week we're away but gee, it seemed like forever <laughs> We miss you guys and uh, yeah, it's really lovely to be back Lovely to see you all again and um, this will be the final official of the spiritual disciplines this morning um, on confession although I have decided to give you a couple of bonus ones on uh, Bible study and uh, hearing a sermon so I thought I might throw in a couple of extra ones in there a couple of things have been on my heart a little bit um, recently as well. But today, confession, we humans have a morbid fascination with dark things, with tragedies, don't we? Um, Some of the most popular TV shows are crime dramas and crime scene investigation shows. Uh, You can see by the plethora of CSI Las Vegas and CSI LA and CSI Boston and all the other shows that, uh, whatever they are, that there's... uh, There's so many of them because they're popular And some of those shows are true crime shows They're shows that actually look at an event, a criminal event in history Usually a murder or a series of murders And delve into the background of the killer and uh, the history of the crime And uh, they seem to fascinate us, those types of shows Even if they go into gruesome detail sometimes about the crime even us Christians are not immune to the allure of those shows. I suspect we watch them with just as much fascination as anyone else, even if some of the things we see turns our stomach. Um, but have you ever slowed down to look at a car crash on the highway? Well, you do. It's the same principle. The, the morbid, the tragedy seems to attract us for some reason. And even though we've been called as Christians to walk as children of light, we're still drawn to those types of shows. Mel and I actually recently watched a movie on Netflix about the notorious American serial killer in the 70s, Ted Bundy. I'm sure you've all heard of him. Unfortunately, the movie spared all the graphic details. You didn't see any of the crimes and the... the, harm he did to people in there, it was all sort of hinted at in the background and uh, only hints of the atrocities he actually committed and only hints that he actually did it so a lot of the movie you could think, well maybe he didn't really do it even though we know from history that he did. Um, It was quite well done in that regard, but after several years, the, the real Ted Bundy after several years of his reign of terror, he was finally captured and he was convicted of the murder of three young women. And the penalty he received was a death sentence. So he was put on death row and he loudly proclaimed his innocence for a decade. Uh, and he was finally put to death by electric chair in 1989. What I find, find interesting about his story, though, is not the nature of his crimes, and they were horrific, um, What strikes me is he spent 15 years declaring his innocence from when he was first picked up until he was arrested, convicted, put on death row, 15 years around about, that he declared his innocence of anything wrong. Then days before his execution, he confessed to 30 more murders. Only days before his execution. Um, Authorities believe the real number could be 100 or more but he confessed to 30 murders in 48 hours or something leading up to his execution. He had nothing to gain by confessing at that stage. He'd gone through the whole court appeals process. All had failed. The execution date was set. He wasn't going to get uh, better conditions in his cell. He only had a day or so to live. Um, He had no concern about the families that were left behind of his victims to put them at peace. There was nothing to gain by confessing to all these extra murders just before he died. And yet he did. Someone has said confession is good for the soul. All of us, I'm sure, have a conscience. Everyone has been built with a conscience. It's given to us by God. Even evil people like Ted Bundy Have a conscience Even Adolf Hitler People like that have a conscience There is people they will still be good to Even if their their Atrocities towards everyone else Are unimaginable Evil Guilt Shame Weighs on us Like a heavy load Like a burden And one of the ways to relieve that burden Is confession And I think I don't know, I think that might have been the case with Ted Bundy He was feeling the weight of it and so he confessed Our Roman Catholic friends of course know all about confession It's one of their several sacraments They go to church on a Friday night or a Saturday night or whenever the appointed time is and the priest will sit in the confessional box and they'll go in the other side of the booth and they'll say, bless me Father for I have sinned, it's two hours, 20 years since my last confession, whatever it may be. There's lots of misconceptions, I think, about what Catholic confession is and their teaching, and probably among Catholics as well. But confession is an important part of Catholic life, at least if you're going to be a faithful and devoted Catholic. We Protestants seem to have forgotten about confession, Maybe that's because we don't really know what it is. Maybe it's because we look at confession as being a Catholic thing. We're Protestants. We don't have to do that, that ritualism and legalism and whatever we think it may be. Maybe it's just that we don't know what confession is, so we give it no thought. Dictionaries would tell us that confession is the acknowledgement or disclosure of sin or sinfulness, especially to a priest to to obtain absolution or another meaning is a formal, usually written acknowledgement of guilt by a person accused of a crime or, for our purposes, accused of a sin. The New Testament has two Greek words closely related that are translated into English as confess. The first one basically means a proclamation, a declaration of belief, as in, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a statement of belief. That's the first and I think the most common usage of the Greek words. The one that concerns us more here is the second meaning of acknowledging sin and fault to God and to another person if we've sinned against someone else. In fact, confession of sin is how we should start our Christian lives. You recall in the Gospels, people came to John the Baptist to be baptised and they confessed their sins as they were getting baptised. Then you read in the book of Acts, a lot of Ephesian people were convicted of the witchcraft that they had been involved in when they became believers and they began to confess openly and tell all the evil things they had done. Acts 19.18 For those taking notes So confession Is step number one In getting sin dealt with If you refuse to acknowledge your sin How will you ever get free from it It's a bit like having Skin cancer growing on your arm And those of us who are getting a bit older And spend a bit of time in the sun Have a few fears in that regard About skin cancers It's I think the number one killer Of men in Australia Over 50 or whatever it is skin cancers you can pretend it's not there you can ignore it but it doesn't go away it has to be dealt with like skin cancer sin has a nasty habit of killing us if we ignore sin if we pretend it's not there it will grow and eventually kill But we're not usually even prepared to acknowledge fault to someone else let alone acknowledge actual sin against someone or against God and so we don't confess. We don't seek forgiveness very often. (coughs) Confession isn't only how we should start our Christian life though it's also how we should mean to continue it. Confession is about acknowledging sin. It's about getting free and clean from sin. Confession is about integrity. It's about openness. It's about honesty. It's about transparency. Confession is about living in the light. It's about living with a clear conscience. It's about not hiding our sin like Adam and Eve tried to do in the Garden of Eden. Living in the light, in fact, was important enough for the Apostle Paul that he said he worked hard to maintain a clear conscience. He said in Acts 24.16, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So confession is about making sure we're in right relationship with God all the time and right relationship with man with our fellows all the time. In 1 John chapter 1, John writes, Now this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see? Confession of our sins has a vertical dimension. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That vertical dimension is critical. All sin is sin against God. Even sin that doesn't involve another person directly is sin against God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6 Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside his body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Paul saying that this is a sin that doesn't, doesn't involve other people. But he goes on to write or Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. This is what our Valiant Man program is all about. Fleeing from sexual immorality. If you missed out on session one yesterday, you need to talk to Harley and Edgar about how to catch up. And after this next session, I better warn you, it will be closed to newcomers because the program is not designed for people to just drop in and out of as they please. So you need to talk to these guys if you want to do it. So you might think that uh, looking at pornographic images on the internet secretly or flicking through that magazine in the back corner of the news agent harms no one else. So you think you don't need to worry about it too much. But it's a sin against your own body. A body that was bought with a price. And so it's also a sin against God. And that's to say nothing of the sin of the exploitation of the person whose photo has been taken. Really there is no sin that doesn't involve someone else I don't think in some way. Obviously if this private secretive act that involves no one else supposedly is sin then anything we do that does directly involve someone else must be sin against God also. So do you think there's anything we can get away with? I've got news for you. Nothing escapes God's notice. Nothing. You can't do any sin that he's not aware of, no matter how private you try to keep it. So our first responsibility then when we've sinned is to come clean to God. Confess our sin to him. And though we stand before him ashamed of our sin, discouraged by our weakness, despairing of our ability to even get through a day without sin, we can also come to him with confidence. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we've addressed the most important problem when we've dealt with the vertical direction we still have a horizontal dimension to to deal with though. Because John said if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light means coming clean to the person we have sinned against That might mean going to the person to admit that we've spread gossip about them or that we've stolen from them or that we kept quiet while they were being unfairly accused of something and we knew the truth or any number of other sins that we have committed against them. Both directions are necessary for us, the vertical and the horizontal dimension. For sin always always causes some sort of breakdown in a relationship. It may only be a minor breakdown to begin with, but just like that skin cancer, minor sins against someone have a habit of growing into large offences if they're not dealt with. And they also have have a habit of accumulating one critical remark may hurt and cause a bit of coolness in the relationship for a while. But if that first hurt is not dressed, addressed, confessed and dealt with, the next one will add to it, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Each one becomes another brick in the wall in the isolation and the division. The higher that wall gets, the harder it becomes to knock it down. If it's not dealt with, at some point the wall gets so high that neither side can cross it to bring reconciliation. Some of the best friendships, some of the most romantic marriages have been destroyed, not by one nasty comment here or a little neglect there, but by an accumulation of hurts, unconfessed sins. James also talks about the vertical and the horizontal dimensions in his letter. Interestingly, he makes a bit of a connection between unconfessed sin and sickness. In James 5.14 he says, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great working, has great power as it's working. What James says about our confession, the power of our confession and the healing that can come from our confession is actually not that far removed from what David wrote in Psalm thirty two, his great sin about his great poem about sin, repentance and confession. And he says in verses three and four for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Other translations put it There was a time when I wouldn't admit what a sinner I was but my dishonesty made me miserable and it filled my days with frustration. All day and all night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day. Another one says, Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped, my inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Truly confession is good for the soul. Since that's true, I want you to put your imagination to work for a few minutes. I'm sure you've all felt the freedom that comes from clearing the air with someone else. Have you? I'm sure you have. Have you felt the freedom that comes from having God's forgiveness? If you're born again, of course you have. You've felt the freedom of having a clean conscience. How precious is that? Imagine then if we were to apply that to our church life. Imagine if this church, City Edge Church, was a sort of church where people felt free to come in here on a Sunday morning, confident they could approach another person in here to confess to them their sin against them or their sin against God that they want someone to stand with them in. Imagine if you could walk in here and ask June or Edgar, or Anna or Saxon, to pray with you as you confessed your sin. The sin of movie piracy, maybe. One that the Lord convicted me of the other night. I was trying to think of an illustration to use for this that wouldn't be so out there that people would say, oh no, that doesn't apply to me, it's just too far out. And of course this came to mind and I thought, you know what, I've got, some movies at home, the pirated. A lot of them. <laughs> and God wouldn't let it go. <laughs> so, but imagine if you could walk in here and you're battling with that or with something similar. You could say, "Look, I'm really struggling with this. I need to confess it." I need to bring this before God. Would you stand with me in prayer? Would you encourage me? Would you challenge me? Would you come back next week and say, how are you going with that sin? Would you keep me accountable? Imagine if you felt that you could do that here. Imagine if you felt safe enough to come in here and confess your sin to someone else, bring it before the Lord, get their prayer, their encouragement, and not feel the pressure to continue on in hypocrisy. Not feel the burden of carrying something around because we're frightened to bring it out and live in the light. What sort of freedom do you think that might bring to your life, to my life, to our fellowship, to our friendships, to our worship? Does that sound like a desirable situation to you? can't imagine anyone would say no. Then that begs the question, what should I do if someone came to me to confess their sin? Firstly, if they've sinned against you, you must forgive them. It's not optional. But this is not the first time they've done it to me, you might protest. They've done it dozens of times, I'm sure they'll keep doing it. It won't be the last. But to put it bluntly, that's not your concern. What did Jesus say about it? If they come to you and uh, say, you say, seven times I've forgiven them, Jesus said, not 70, seven, but seventy times seven. Jesus is saying, you forgive them every time. doesn't mean necessarily that you trust them with something again. You have to use wisdom, but you have to forgive. That's a requirement. Freely we've received, freely we should give. Paul added in Ephesians, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. But what if they're confessing a sin to you that's not actually about you? What if it's movie piracy? Then you need to encourage them, and help them, if necessary, to take their confession to the person they've sinned against. And that might mean you go with them as a mediator as they go to that person. You know what it's like when you've had a falling out with someone, you've said, spoken against someone, you've sinned against them, whatever it may be. You don't want to see that person, let alone talk to them. So the challenge of going to that person can be a bit overwhelming. We put it off. So if someone comes to you and says, look, I've sinned against Ernest. I need to go to him, but I'm frightened. Will you come with me? Be my support. Be my encouragement. Poke me in the back. Push me in there if you have to, because I need to get this dealt with. And be a mediator if necessary. There's no other way to bring reconciliation. It doesn't happen by by brushing it under the carpet. And regardless of which side of the fence the sin and the offence and the blame may lie on, we need to be restored to one another. Paul also said in Galatians 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. In a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. That's part of why the local church exists for us. It's part of why we're called to gather together regularly, to bring reconciliation amongst us, to bring forgiveness, restoration, to share each other's burdens. So we have responsibilities to confess ourselves, but we have responsibilities to someone who might confess to us as well. When was the last time you went to someone you had sinned against to confess and seek forgiveness? Maybe you don't need to. Maybe you're so careful about your speech and your actions that you don't offend anyone else and you don't sin against God. Although I doubt it. Some people think they're like that. You remember the Pharisee praying in the temple was like that. Jesus told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. This is in Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Sometimes we can be a bit like that Pharisee. We live in our own little cocoon. We're so self-absorbed that we're unaware of the impact our words or our actions have on other people. We're unaware of how we've sinned against God. Or maybe worse than being unaware, we're unconcerned about our sin. Or we might be so arrogant as to think like the Pharisee that we never sin against anyone, including God, therefore don't need to confess and seek forgiveness. I recently saw a Christian documentary called American Gospel. It was a real eye-opener, and I'd recommend it to any Christian. And it was actually a bit frightening, some of the stuff that was in there. Anyway, in this documentary, there was a brief clip from an interview with one of the best-known people in the world, known by Christians and non-Christians alike worldwide. There would hardly be a person in the world who doesn't know this, this man. And he said, why do I have to repent? Why do I have to ask forgiveness if I'm not making mistakes? I work hard. I'm an honourable person. I try to lead a life where I don't have to ask God for forgiveness. There's an arrogance or is it a lack of self-awareness in that sort of comment? His comments mirror that of my workmate that I mentioned uh, recently when I shared the gospel with him. He said, I try to live a good life. I try to treat others as I would like them to treat me. That reveals an arrogant but misplaced belief that any of us can impress God by our good behaviour. It also reveals a colossal misunderstanding of the gospel. The gospel begins by telling us uncomfortable truth about ourselves. It tells us that our our heart is a sin factory. It operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never lets up. And this factory tries to keep us chained to the production line all day, every day. It buries us in the grit and the grime and the filth of the product it churns out. But the gospel also tells us a wonderful truth that we're not left to the unrelenting slavery of the production line of our sin factory. We can push the stop button. We can get away from the production line. We can get away at least for a while until it cranks up again. You all know that you only get free for a little while and then the pressure begins again. The thoughts come, the the temptations come, the sins come, the production line's fired up again and we're back on there. But there's a stop button. We push the stop button when we confess our sin to the Lord, when we confess to others we've sinned against and when we seek forgiveness. When we confess our sin, we are cleansed afresh. We're made clean again. You remember when Jesus went to wash the disciples' feet and Peter said, no, no, you're not doing me. And uh, Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you've got no part of me. Jesus said, well, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And what was Jesus' response? You've been made clean, you only need your feet washed. We pick up dirt, even when we've been made clean, by the blood of Christ, we still pick up some dirt. We need our feet washed every so often. And confession is part of getting those feet washed. It's part of getting us clean and away from that production line, just for a little while. When we press that stop button, confess our sins, our burden of guilt and shame is lifted and we can live again in the lightness and the freshness of a clean conscience. If you don't believe me about the sin factory, I'm sure you probably do. But if you don't believe me about the sin factory, of the heart, the production line, here's a little test for you. Think of someone that you have a strained relationship. Probably most of us do. Think of someone that you are a bit worried about bumping into at the shops or even maybe in church. Someone that you... Maybe talk to, but there's certain topics of conversation you just don't get around to because you've had a falling out over them in the past. Imagine how easy is it for you to walk out of here and go up to that person and say, look, I've had a bad attitude towards you. I've spoken against you, or I've disliked you, or whatever it may be. How easy is that to do? It's not, is it? Of course it's not. Because that sin factory is cranking. It's churning out its product daily and part of what its product wants to do is keep you trapped to that sin factory production line and keep you in darkness. It wants to keep that burden on you. You know the relief that you will feel if you clear the air with that person. You know the freedom that will come. You've felt it before. So what would be stopping you seeking that freedom and reconciliation with them now? What's stopping you confessing your sin to them now? Jesus said in Matthew 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter why your brother has something against you. He may be jealous of you because... It's just his nature and you've had a bit of success. Or you may be the guilty party, you may have done wrong by him. The source of the offence is less important than the steps taken to reconcile with him. So what's stopping you going to your brother? What's stopping you confessing your sin to God? This sin factory unfortunately won't shut down production until the day you die or the day Jesus comes back at his second coming, whichever may be first. But you don't need to wait until then. You can get off that production line at least for a while, any time you want. You can press that stop button anytime you want. You just need to confess your sin and seek forgiveness. Psalm 32 tells us how to deal with the age-old problem of and the guilt and the shame that accompany it. Anyone who is even remotely reflective realises that their lives don't measure up we may be better than our friend or our workmate but our conscience tells us we are not perfect and perfect is the standard that God requires of us to enter his presence if you're honest enough with yourself to admit that you're not perfect if you want the freedom from the burden of the guilt of sin you need to start with confession So Psalm 32 helps us here. There's a way for us to have our sin dealt with effectively and permanently. And It says in Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you, Lord, forgave the guilt of my sin. We're called to live as children of light. We're called to to drop the mask of perfection. We're called to tear down the wall of secrecy. We're called to live transparently before our brothers and sisters in Christ and before the world and especially before God. Can I ask you to examine your hearts now and after church and in this coming week to see who is your brother that has something against you? Who is that person I've sinned against? Can I ask you to take the necessary steps to deal with the breakdown of that relationship, to live as children of light, to live in the light, to live the Christian life, we need to live with honesty. We need to live with purity of heart and that involves regular confession of sin. That's one thing the Catholics might have got right, the need to regularly confess. The way they do it may not be right but the fact that they acknowledge that I need to do this regularly, they've got right. We've forgotten that sometimes, I think. Will you commit yourself to be open, honest, transparent, vulnerable with your Christian family. It will bring freedom to you. It will bring unity to the church. Where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing, it tells us in Psalms. Anything less than that brings both spiritual and physical misery. It dries up the bones and causes us to waste away. In the end, we have all sinned against the holy and righteous God and he has offered his forgiveness and cleansing by sending his son to carry the burden of our sins, to send his son to take the punishment due to us, to send his son to die on the cross on our behalf for our sin. But now on the basis of that cross, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we should have no fear of bringing our sin before the Lord in confession. So I close this in prayer. Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, our desire, even though our mind sometimes wars against it, our desire is to live with a clean conscience, to live with a pure heart. Our desire is to live in such a way that our thoughts, our words, our actions honour Christ. That our words, our thoughts and our actions honour our brothers and sisters. Father, in our struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Give us strength, Lord, to resist sin. And would you help us, Lord, to be quick to push the stop button on that production line, to confess our sin to you and to confess our sin to others whom we may have offended and sinned against. Father, with the help of your Holy Spirit, we will consider him, we will consider Jesus Christ, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Give us strength, courage, conviction, and the confidence to enter into your presence, pleading not our own works or our own worth, but pleading only the blood of your Son. Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.